In the 1880s, if you wanted a uh, good life with a good job, you moved to Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Uh, the the uh, Pennsylvania Mainline Canal came through the town, so that, that brought a lot of jobs. And so did the uh, Pennsylvania Railroad. And uh, Cambria Ironworks was there also. Families were, were moving in from uh, Wales, from Germany. Uh, the place was covered with uh, beautiful mountains, forests all around town. And right through the town runs the uh, Connemaw River. Now, in fact, the area is so beautiful that the uh, country's richest people, Andrew Garnegie and, and Andrew Millen, they'd come out of uh, Pittsburgh to, to hunt and fish at a private club which was up above the uh, town where there was an old earthen dam. And this, this dam had been modified just to make a, a fishing lake for them. Well, on May 30th, 1889, a huge rainstorm came through and dropped six to ten inches of rain. And despite that weather, the next day the, the town had lined up among Main Street, along Main Street for Memorial Day for a, a parade there. And uh, the Methodist pastor, H.L. Chapman, said the morning was delightful. The city was in its gayest mood with flags, banners, and flowers everywhere. The streets were more crowded than we'd ever seen before. And then the old dam, miles up from the town, collapsed. Uh, released almost 4 billion gallons of, of water. And when that wall of water and debris hit Johnstown 57 minutes later, uh, it was 60 feet high. It was traveling 40 miles an hour. And people tried to escape by running toward high ground, but over 2,000 of the 30,000 people who were there in town died. And some bodies were found as far away as uh, Cincinnati, uh, some were not discovered till 20 years later. And so the, the Johnstown flood remains one of the greatest tragedies in American history, uh, only behind the uh, Galveston hurricane and the uh, 9-11 terrorist attacks. And in every one of those cases, life was fine until it wasn't. In a moment, in a way that was unexpected, and, and most people were not prepared for something cataclysmic occurred and, and people were swept away. Now, I'd like to talk this morning about readiness, preparedness. Uh, we're going to pause for a couple weeks in our uh, Philippians study. You know what today is? Palm Sunday, yes. So uh, we're going we're gonna to have, this is a Palm Sunday sermon. We're going to have uh, Easter next week. So we'll, we'll, we'll get back to Philippians I know you guys are chomping at the bit. Well, anyway, this is, this is the uh, Sunday where we traditionally celebrate when Jesus came into Jerusalem a week before he uh, was, was crucified. This, this Palm Sunday introduces, as uh, Jim said, Holy Week. This is recorded in the Gospels uh, where Jesus, after spending three years in his ministry, he enters into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey uh, to, to the cheers of, of the crowd who are following him. We see that as he comes into Jerusalem, God's people there really weren't ready. They really were not prepared for the uh, king's first appearance. And I'd, I'd like to ask us the question here today, are we ready for his second appearance? 
or are we knowing that he's coming again going to find ourselves unprepared? Uh, I'd like to stress what Jesus stressed during his ministry, and that is be ready. The king's coming. Be prepared. And so I'd like to read today from the Gospel of Matthew. Your notes there say Luke. That's a misspelling. (laughs) Don't know how that happened, but we're going to be in Matthew chapter 21. Matthew 21. Read with me. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a colt under her, or colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he'll, and, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet saying, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. And the disciples went and did as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most in the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And when we when we read this story, we're kind of struck at the uh, the attitude of the people. You know, those... People were coming with him, accompanying him from uh, Bethany and Bethphage, where they had witnessed him doing miracles. He'd healed people. Uh, He had given them just a a glimpse of his power at that point. And as this procession entered into Jerusalem, you know, it says the whole city was stirred up. And they were asking, Who's this? Who is this guy? And, you know, these people probably did not see this ordinary-looking man riding on a donkey, this this picture of, of humility, really. They didn't see this guy as, as a king. They said, who is he? They weren't, ex- they weren't expecting the Messiah to come like this. The, the Messiah king, you know, surely would come in, in majesty and grandeur and with a sword in his hand on a steed, ready to tear down this this empire that had overrun God's place, the place of God's people, Israel, this, this oppressive foreign power, this occupying Roman empire. That's what they were expecting. When we look to this, at this story, though, we see that uh, this is happening a week before Jesus is crucified. Uh, and, and the gospel writers devote a huge section of the gospels to this last week. Matthew, for instance, spends about a fourth, I think about uh, seven out of, out of 28 chapters just on this last week. 
And as we read these chapters, we, we see this theme emerging, not only in the narrative, but in, in Jesus' teaching. We see a theme of, of readiness and, and preparedness for his second coming. So in this sermon, we have a very simple message, a very simple topic, readiness. You know, we, we see that God's people were not ready for his first coming. Let's not make the same mistake. Let's be ready for his second coming. Let's be prepared. So let's ask ourselves, were God's people ready the first time? You know, we see in this account known as the, uh, the triumphal entry that there was this, this group, Matthew calls them Jesus' disciples who were pretty fired up about him. They'd seen what he'd just done. As he enters Jerusalem, people are asking, who is he? But look at this. The first thing that Jesus does is he goes to the temple. He goes to the temple. And Mark, in his gospel, records that uh, he went into the temple and he looked around. Just looked around. Doesn't say what he was thinking. Doesn't record anything that he said. He just looked around and left. You know, and you got to wonder what what was he thinking here? Well, he comes back the next day and and clears out the temple of the uh, the merchants, the the people who were doing you know business in the temple. Matthew goes right there to that that second appearance in in the temple. But, you know, we look at this, we look at God incarnate, God in the flesh, the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the earth. He was walking into the temple, the place where God had said, this this is where I will meet with my people. God walks in, God in the flesh. Do you suppose anybody recognized him? I don't think so. Here he was in person. God's people were not ready for the king. They, they, they were not encountering God in the temple. Otherwise, I think they would have recognized him. You know, the temple was no longer a house of prayer. They, they were unprepared. They were so busy with their business, so busy with their religious rituals that they missed God. They were out of touch with God. They weren't ready. They didn't know the Messiah. That's amazing, these, these religious leaders who knew the scriptures the best were blind to the fulfillment of those scriptures. You know, they knew the words, they knew the, the rules, the laws, they followed them, but they missed God incarnate. Uh, they did not find life in God's word. They knew the scriptures uh, we have an account where Jesus chided the religious leaders for their practice in, in uh, scriptures, for not knowing the scriptures in a, a, a transformative, life-giving way. In Matthew 22, the Sadducees came to him. Remember, they were trying to trick him concerning uh, marriage and, and the resurrection. If you know, if, if this woman married this guy and her husband died and then she remarried and 
you know, this happened like seven times. Well, they asked him, who, whose wife will he be in the resurrection? They're trying to trick him. And what did he say? He, he knew their ruse. And his answer hit the root of the problem with them. What did he say? He said, you're wrong. Because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. They, they studied the scriptures, but they did not know the living God. They did not know who the scriptures were, were about. They knew about him, but they did not know him. Um, in John, John 5.39, Jesus said to them, You search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. They weren't ready. They didn't make this connection. Even though Christ, the one who created the world and and everything in it, was right there, right before them, talking to them. He was performing miracles, casting out demons, raising people from the dead. They didn't know him. And so during this last week, at the end of this last week, he was, he was killed on, on the cross. But during this week, he did a lot of teaching. One of the major themes of this was about the future, not only, not only what was going to happen to him that week, his suffering, his death, his resurrection, but uh, he talked about the end times, and he made it very clear that God's people need to be ready for his second coming. So the question for us is, are we ready? Are we ready? Jesus didn't tell his disciples when he would return. He avoided that. But he did say that he would return. And he knew that the things in the world would be the same when he came the second time as they were then. Many people would not be ready. They'd they'd be distracted just by their their day-to-day cares, their day-to-day activities. Matthew 24, 36 through 44 is where Jesus says, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, just like those people in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Marrying, given in marriage, until that day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the the coming of the Son of Man. Yeah, people in Noah's day, they thought each day, they thought today will be like yesterday, tomorrow will be like today, the next day will be like tomorrow. Why would it be any different? You know, do, do we fall into that, that kind of complacency, just doing our, our day-to-day routines? Do we, do we live day-to-day disconnected from God? Jesus goes on to say these two words, be ready, be ready. Continuing in verse 40, he says, two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. 
Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake, and he would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Jesus makes it very clear we need to be ready. His return is imminent. It's at hand. It could happen right now. It could happen tomorrow. It could happen 100 years from now. I guess the question for us really is this. How, how shall we live in readiness? What, what do we need to do? How should this affect me today? How should this affect me tomorrow? So... God's people weren't ready the first time. Let me just extend that and say we weren't ready as, as human beings, as, as people on the earth. We were not ready. Let's be ready now. Um, yeah, I was a teenager and, and a young adult during a time in which the, uh, the church really had a renewed interest in, in eschatology, which is a good thing. Maybe it had been neglected somewhat before that. Eschatology is the, the study of the end times. And uh, we were taught that Jesus was coming soon. Uh, we, were, we were taught that if we looked at the current events in world politics, we could see prophecy being fulfilled in, uh, before our, our very eyes. And every, every little thing that, that happened, you know, people were saying, oh, this, this matches this, uh, this matches that. Uh, people started making pretty concrete predictions on when Jesus was coming back, though. The, one, one very prominent denominational leader said that Jesus would certainly come in the 80s, 81, in fact, to, to be exact. Uh, others have since predicted down to the day when Jesus would return, and they've all been wrong. When we lived in Montana, I remember one Sunday we came out of church and the parking lot was full of cars and on every windshield was a, a flyer saying, Jesus is coming on such and such day. And it's kind of interesting seeing seeing the people pulling these flyers off their, their windshields and reading them and just kind of looking around, you know. Um, the, the, the pastor the next week had to uh, address it. This is kind of an interesting thing because uh, a lot of times when these kind of predictions were made, people would sell all their belongings or give them away, you know, move up to some mountain town or something and, and await the, the return of Jesus on, on such and such day. This is not the readiness that Jesus is talking about. Uh, and and this, this kind of... False readiness isn't even anything new. The the 1800s are are rife with examples of this, and this is where some some major cults came about. This is where we got Jehovah's Witnesses, and this is where we got Mormons, and um, predictions were made. People became sidetracked from the gospel. People lost their, their... sight of, of Jesus Christ and, and these cults were formed. 
And the fact is, if you if you look at the all of the cults, I, I would say, pro, you know, at least in the high ninety percent, they all have a a wrong view of how we should look at eschatology. They've gotten their their eyes off from Christ, and they're focusing on something that is important, but they've lost sight of how should we live today? Who is Jesus Christ? And that's where they, they fall into error. We need to know the scripture. We need to know the whole counsel of God. We need to know about the end times and we need to study eschatology. That's, that's not what I'm saying. Please don't misunderstand me. But we need to, we need to know the word of God in its entirety. We need the whole counsel. Uh, we need to be doers, not just hearers. You know, the Bible talks about people who are constantly learning but never really knowing the, the power of God. Uh, what do we need to do? What, what is true readiness? That's, that's the question for us today. Uh, Jesus in, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, starting in verse 35, he says, Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. That would be a good one to memorize. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. Here it is. You you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, are you telling us this parable for us or, or for all? And Jesus said, who then is a faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household and give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over his possessions. But if the servant says, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and, and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant will know his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will, will receive a severe beating. The one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given of much of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. That's a mouthful there. We need to be dressed and ready for action. Uh, the, the, the Christian life is not a passive life. You know, look at look at Ephesians six, where Paul talks about putting on the full armor of God. Yeah, you know, this is really describing what the Christian life should be like. It's you know, be ready, be ready for action, be ready for battle. 
And I, I love the, uh, the way he wraps it up. Ephesians 6.18, he says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Dressed and ready for action. We also need to, he says, keep our lamps burning. Are we are we scattered? Are we are we drifting apart? Are we keeping to ourselves, or are we operating together as the body of Christ, ministering to to one another, serving each other, reaching out to the community with the gospel? Are we are we being those those witnesses? for Christ that Jesus wants us to be. How are we, how are we doing as a church? Are we uh, drifting apart? Are we keeping to ourselves? Is, is our church a, a house of prayer? You know, let's, let's get back to Jesus when he came the first time into Jerusalem, walked into the, the temple and was very, I would say disappointed, dismayed, and even angry, saying, it's written, my house will be called a house of prayer. Are we truly that as a, a church? I think that's very much a, a big component of our, our readiness, our, our uh, prayer life. You know, are we, are we praying together earnestly? Are we, are we praying together with our, our spouses and our, our children, or are we neglecting that? Or are we wasting our time watching TV and sitting in, sitting in front of the, uh, the the computer? You know, I I hope this is a time. This this last year, the Lord has given us this this pandemic. I think maybe to shake us up and give us the opportunity to think about who we are as a church. This church and and the other churches, you know. There, there, there are issues that I think the Lord has brought to the surface, issues that require us to really take a serious, hard look at who we are as a church. Are we a house of prayer? Or are we like the religious leaders in his first coming who missed him, who were not ready? Um... Uh, yeah, I, I pray that we will be a people who seek God's face together, a, a people who enjoy our Lord, who enjoy being with him and, and love being in his presence, uh, experiencing him and his goodness with, with sincerity, enjoying his, his mercy, being thankful people, people who are ready to confess and repent when we sin. People who truly turn to God. We need to take this very, very seriously, I think. Back in Matthew 7, 21 through 23, Jesus said something very stern. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And I will then declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. 
what is this saying? Jesus is not impressed with people who think they know him, people who know about him but don't know him, uh, people who are only going through the motions and, and deceiving themselves. I, I read a story that gives a really good picture of, of readiness. Uh, Robbie Robbins, he was an Air Force pilot during the first Gulf War. And after his 300th mission, he was given surprise permission to take his uh, crew together and, and fly his plane home. They, they flew across the ocean and landed in Massachusetts and then he had a long drive to western Pennsylvania. They, they drove all night, and his buddies dropped him off at his uh, driveway just after sunup. And there was a big banner that said, Welcome home, Dad. How did they know? He's asking them himself. And, you know, no one had called. He meant for this to be a surprise. The uh, The crew themselves had had no idea this was going to happen. They, they had not expected to leave so quickly, but um, he relates, Robin relates, when I walked into the house, the kids, about half-dressed for school, screamed, Daddy! Susan came running down the hall. She looked terrific, hair fixed, makeup on with a crisp yellow dress. How did you know? I asked. I didn't, she answered, through tears of joy. Once we knew the war was over, we knew you'd come home one of these days, and we'd, we'd know, we knew you'd try to surprise us. And we, <laughs> so we were ready every day. Well, we need to be ready every day for the return of the king. So as we come to the close, Jesus, Jesus came as a king. He came as a suffering servant king. He, he came upon his, came among his own, but as it says, his own didn't know him. They didn't recognize him. They didn't receive him. They weren't ready. They weren't prepared. He's, he's returning again. He's coming back again. You know, it could be today. It could be tomorrow. We don't know. But we, we do know we need to be ready. Let's be ready. Jesus said that just as in the days of Noah, you know, people will be busy just doing their things every day, paying no mind to the future. Again, they'll, they'll, they'll be like those people lining this main street in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Beautiful day. What could happen? The king's coming. And uh, this next time he's going to come in judgment. Are we ready? Are, are we living our lives in a way that position us to welcome him and be glad that he's here? Or will we be unready, unprepared, ashamed, caught off guard? You know, they missed the son of God when he was there face to face with him. We can, we can be church members. We can be Bible experts. We can be whatever and, and still not know him, still not be ready for him. We can miss him. 
Jesus came into Jerusalem and, and went to the house of God, you know, the, the temple. God's dwelling place, the place where God would meet with his people. And he wasn't meeting with them anymore. It was no longer a house of prayer. It was just a place of very religious people who did not know him. So, again, are we a house of prayer? Or are we just a bunch of people living our lives, going to a building, being religious, going home, doing our things? Um, are we ready? We need to, we need to examine ourselves. Uh, we need to be challenged by this. Uh, Paul tells us to examine ourselves. Uh, so this is, a, this is a very simple topic. Very simple message. Be ready. Uh, we weren't ready the first time. Let's let's be ready now. Let's be ready for the King of Kings. So let's pray. Uh, Lord God, we uh, we acknowledge you as as the sovereign God. Um, we admit our our frailty, our our weakness. But in our weakness, Lord, uh, you, your strength shines through. Uh, let us use our time wisely, Lord. Uh, let, it, let it not be wasted. Uh, speak to us, Lord, what, what you would have us hear and, and give us ears to, to listen. Uh, transform us, Lord. Lord, give us a, a hunger for you. Um, Lord, I, I ask that if there's anybody here who doesn't know you, Lord, that you would draw them to you, Lord, that they would receive you, Jesus, believe on you and receive you and be given the the right to be called the children of God. Lord, we worship you. Let your, pe- your, your peace, Lord, uh, reign in our hearts. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen.